Welcome to another episode of the Minorities Report Podcast. I'm Antonio Alcazar. And I'm Jason, slaughtered like a bull tech. <laughs> what a scene, too. Jeez. Ooh, it's a scene. Yo, and here we are. We're coming back at you. It's another week, so it's another movie, baby. Um, well, two weeks. We do them every two weeks. That's true. Our other <laughs> show is weekly, so I got a little bit twisted up yeah, there. Yeah, excited. But we brought you a special for all you lovers out there. Valentine's Day just passed, and boom, bam, bing, we're doing Apocalypse Now. You, There's probably not a better... Uh, romance movie. Romance movie. Yes, That's what right. I would say. Yeah. Um, it this is, is probably the most romantic movie I've ever seen. It's definitely a romantic film. It it gets down in your stomach and just makes your heart feel great. <laughs> like, for the love that you have for the people around you. I like how uh, people can instantly tell how different this movie is from the one that we did two weeks ago. Yeah. Just from how much fun we're having this yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. The other well, one I, I was just that. like, the other one I was nervous about talking about it. Yeah. This one I'm just like, okay, well, let's Yeah, because I told you the difference was that movie was much more like a realistic, yeah. deep take Let me show on you psychology. what war is like. Now, here's yeah. the thing. This movie deals a lot with psychology, but it's an adventure movie, really, yes. is what it is. This definitely so, had more of, like, a narrative. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, what we're doing here The other is, one was more of a character study. This one was absolutely, more of a yeah. Absolutely. This is 1979's undisputed hit, Apocalypse Now. We're not going to beat around the bush. Brought to you by Francis Ford Coppola. I'm sure you know the guy. You love the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's obviously the two Godfather films. Yeah, for sure. Two movies that I, I love those. Or I'm sorry. He did all three Godfather yeah, films. Yeah. We care about two of them. <laughs> yeah. um, then he did two movies. The third movies. one. Have you ever seen the third one? Yeah, I have. It's, yeah, it's okay. trash as fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. I hate the word trash, and I still put the word trash. I wouldn't say it's trash, but it definitely is not up to par with it's, one and two. You know? It's hard, right? Because one and two are considered like some of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. And, then, and, and earn it. Right. Yeah. I agree completely. And then uh, two other movies that I enjoy that are kind of sideline movies, The Outsider and Rumblefish. Mm-hmm. I read those books when I was a kid and I remember seeing the movies and I liked them. I didn't know he was even involved in these until later on. And then he was also involved in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, another film that I love. So. Did he Did he make that movie? I don't remember if oh, he made Oh, by the way, that's movie. another movie I haven't seen. So. What, Dracula? It's yeah. on the docket for Halloween at time. Sure. Yeah, we'll yeah, do it yeah. for the Halloween time period. I wouldn't mind watching uh, good Halloween movies this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a you know up to similar type of alley. You know, sure. instead of the classics like Halloween. I mean, Wait, like, this is the know. one with Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah, yeah, Keanu oh, Reeves. Was this one panned? Like it was just like this is not. Right. Um, so it's very much like one of those movies where. I think at the time people didn't love it, but with time it really caught you know ground and people really started to enjoy it because there's a lot of good in that film. And I mean, like Gary Oldman as yeah. Dracula is phenomenal. I've used oh, that that gif of him laughing so many fucking sure. times. Okay, people. well I'm looking forward to it. Then. I really enjoy it. So to get into this movie, um, like I said, we all know Francis Ford Coppola. We all love him. So let's just jump right into the film. Okay, okay. starts off with a very 1970s style shot. It's over a oh, minute yeah, long right. yes, of just looking at the jungle, yeah. and slowly the music starts to play to like bring you into this film. Yeah, great song by the way. Yeah, uh, the end by the Doors. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal song. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really, the musical really choices crazy in this film. Song like that song is kind of maddening. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a point in the middle of the song because they didn't show this in the movie because they yeah. always uh, put like the more musical part of the song. Yeah, but in the song, there's like this long. I think the majority of the song is uh, Jim Morrison just kind of like ranting wild yeah. shit for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like that that song has a very like crazy making kind of maddening feel yeah. to it. And it tr- it's trying to 
It's trying to tell you what mentality this our main character is Absolutely. In. But you know what? He's not really in that mentality uh, mm, in the movie. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, we'll get, at the beginning, yeah. he seemed fucking unhinged. And then yeah. the rest of the movie, he's just like a regular dude. <laughs> There's uh, nothing unhinged about him the rest of the movie. So I thought that, okay, so it's, it's going to be interesting talking about this film because I haven't seen this movie in probably 15 years. Oh, wow. And I remember seeing this movie and thinking one way, and then re-watching it, I was like... I'm so much more well versed in film and things like that sure. now at this point in my life. Yeah. So like I watched it completely different, and we'll get into the, okay. the, all yeah, all the different stuff like yeah. that. So they show him on his on his bed. So yeah, it, it you know we get napalming of the forest. I want to point this out too, like because Francis Ford Coppola, as time went on, things changed. But this is when he was in his shit, right? This was like Godfather type of year because this movie started being created in the seventies, early seventies, right? Okay, Godfather uh, was. 71? Uh, I think that. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Check Godfather 1 and 2. The Godfather came out in 72. Okay. Godfather 2 came out in 74. Okay. So this is like right in between that he was making this movie. Yeah. This came out in 79, but he started working on this in 71. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Um, well, that's because this this it's not like like nowadays. Nowadays, a movie gets like started and yeah. then it's out the next year. Yeah, uh, photography is over in six months. Right yeah. in the seventies and like sixties, movies took time. A lot of movies took years to be made yeah. and then put out, especially something this on this caliber. Yeah, this definitely felt like the scale was insane. Yeah, like when I was watching, we'll this, get like, into all how of much that. Money shit. did they fucking yeah, spend? Yeah, buddy. This shit? Um, it fades in from that napalming of the forest into Martin Sheen's face and like him in Saigon just completely tripping out. I didn't out. know, by the way, who was going to be in this movie. Sure. You know, I didn't do it. I never do any research going into yep. these movies. And when I saw the youngest Martin, it was like Martin Sheen was born two days before they started. Like, that's yeah. how young that dude yeah, like, man. I'm like, holy, because like, you know, I'm in my 30s. So like, yeah. I've only ever known Martin Sheen as like this old dude. Right, right. And uh, like watching, seeing him this fucking young was insane. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's some other characters too that we can I, get I grew into. up with him. On West Wing, yeah, and he was already yeah. an old dude. He was old by yeah, that point, sure. absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, even Charlie Sheen was was kind of older than he is now while he was in the West Wing when you were growing up with it. So, yeah, it's it's funny to see him because like I grew up with Charlie Sheen, kind of young men at work and stuff like that. I remember sure. seeing that movie yeah, when, yeah, yeah. and he was kind of the age as this right here was sure. and whatnot. Hot so, shots, yeah, yeah, hot yeah, shot, yeah, absolutely. That um, what was the other the baseball movie too? <sighs> Oh, I forgot. Yeah, but you remember what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. So that's, yeah, seeing Martin Sheen, and man, do they look alike at that age, Dude, this younger real, age, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just tripping out in, on Saigon, and we start to get, like, the voiceovers and stuff like that, because this is this story is very much told kind of like a book, and he's, like, the narrator of this of this sure, story going on. Yeah. He's going to explain a lot of the things. Uh, we get a lot into his mind. Which was kind of what we got from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, but much deeper <laughs> in this. This is much, it has a lot more narrative scenes in it than okay, Full Metal yeah. Jacket. Because I remember... In Full Metal Jacket, the main character was also kind of narrating. It, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Sure. He does. He he talks, especially when they're in training and stuff like that. Yeah, he has a lot, right. a lot of stuff like that. So uh, he brings up that when he when he was here in the shit in the jungle, he always wanted to be back home. But then when he was back home, all he could think about was getting back to the shit again. And that's actually like kind of weird. A lot of this movie, you have to be you remember when this movie came out. Because it was in the early 70s when this was, movie was being made. So, like, now we deal with a lot of PTSD and we deal with a lot of the shit like that. This was kind of probably like an undiscovered um, country, un, un um, dug into that, like, 
people would almost get addicted to like the combat and that type of shit, or like you know, yeah, the, the thrill the, of it. The talk about PTSD wasn't like as formed as we had, right? Now, right. But like, were they even talking about PTSD, no. or for them, it was still like uh, it changes you? Yeah, kind of it was talk. very much like the thousand yard stare type of talk and shit yeah. like that. And PTSD was definitely not something that they delved deeply into. Sure. But like, even in World War II, guys that come back—that's how motorcycling got popular in the United States. Guys coming back from World War II, wanting thrills like they had in war and whatnot, and not being able to find that anywhere else. So they got into motorcycle riding, and Harley Davidson specifically really exploded post-World War II by vets looking for something that would give them that thrill. Now, obviously, we're we're years past that now, so there's, I mean, doctors drive fucking Harley-Davidson's now and shit like that, but that was kind of where that broke into. So you can kind of understand the mindset of somebody like this who was, he was a high-speed kind of guy. He, I mean, this isn't like last uh, two weeks ago when we did Full Metal Jacket and we were just dealing with infantrymen and and. Um, stuff like that. This is a special forces guy, so he's been into deep shit, and he's gone on kill missions. He's done all kinds of different missions of that like he nature. Was a, so. He was essentially an assassin. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it that. Well, because I mean, he he did like well, a political killing. He, right? Yeah, I, well, they bring. Um, we'll get to that part. So yeah, he's really dealing with his emotions at this point. He's just going kind of crazy. He, I mean, but then again, who hasn't like? Drank, danced around a hotel room, and smashed in their uh, you know mirror before. I mean, I do that at least once a year. Exactly. That's what they they. Whenever you check in, they charge you fifty dollars to when cover you the, yeah. when, when when you, you break, break the mirror. mirror. Yeah, right. Exactly. Absolutely. So at this point, some guys show up. They get his shit together, and they give him orders that he needs to get to this new base and get new orders from the general there. So. He gets his act together, he gets squared away, shaved up, and he goes to the Air Force Base, and he walks into a house and sees young Harrison Ford. Did You you didn't know Harrison Ford was in this, did you? I didn't know any of these people were in this. Oh, yeah, that's when right. I saw Harrison Ford, I was just like, oh, wow, he looks really young. Yeah, because, I mean, this is like <clears throat> Star Wars time period. You know, he had, yeah. you know, I think the only two movies he did before this, this were American Graffiti and Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars was released in 78. Yeah, for sure. This was released in 79. So. Yeah, but you said it started filming this shit in like 71. No, they started developing the shit in, oh, the, in okay. 71. Right, right. Yeah. filming and stuff like that. I think, I can't remember when filming exactly started, but it, they started developing it in the early 70s. At this point, he meets with uh, Harrison Ford. I think Harrison Ford is a colonel. He meets with a general. I, th- I believe it's like By a four-star general. By the way, post-traumatic stress disorder? Was that theory was being developed in 78, 79. Okay, so at the end of Vietnam, because yeah. Vietnam ended in 75. Yeah, so. the first like military kind of exploration mm-hmm. on, the, on the research was in 78. That makes perfect sense. So uh, we were introduced to Harrison Ford. He's a colonel. There's a um, general there, four-star. And there's also like a CIA operative sort of dude. Yeah. Very fucking weird, scummy-looking dude, right? Yeah. Like, just very... It's clear they had a, a very specific representation of what CIA people were like. Yeah, just, absolutely, absolutely. Just like a skeevy, scummy demon. Right, right, exactly that. So they briefly go into his capabilities. This is like where you brought up that the, he was involved in some yeah. political they assassination. They like straight up asked him, they're just like, you killed a guy, right? Like a political guy? And yeah. he's just like, I don't want to talk about it. He, well, he's like, uh, I don't know of any such yeah. uh, um, mission. Like, I, and I, even I, if I did know of that mission, I wouldn't be able to yeah. speak about that mission. I, I don't, I've never heard of that mission. Right. If I did hear about that mission i would keep it to myself <laughs> right yeah it'd all be classified so i couldn't speak on that mission even if i had heard of that mission before so and to reiterate yeah. i have not heard about that. right exactly so that we so we get the idea he's like a black bag guy he's done stuff before that's kind of off the books kind of uh, super classified type of shit so 
Enter Colonel Kurtz. This is when the, they bring the, up the general. By the way, when I saw him, I was just like, "Where do I recognize this guy from?" He was in Godfather Two. Oh, sure, of he course. Was, he was the senator course. in Godfather Two. Yeah, of course. And, and, then, mean, and then at that moment, I'm just like, "Wait a second, who made this movie?" And yeah. then I looked it up, and I was just like, "Oh, it's a Francis Ford Coppola movie." Yeah, and actually, Martin Sheen originally uh, some behind the scene. Tell, Martin, me, tell me, he was going to be Michael Corleone? Dude, nailed it. <laughs> no way. He tried out to be Michael Corleone. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was not the first pick for this character. Actually, yeah. we'll get into that later. Yeah. There were other people picked. Those people had conflicts of interest. Boom! He picked this guy because of how good he was trying out for Michael, sure, and yeah. that's how he ended up. Wow, with Wow, that's role, so, so funny. Oh yeah. man, His, Martin Sheen as Michael Corleone would have, would have been way different. Of course. I mean, I don't even know how it because like Al Pacino at least is very Italian and whatnot, and Martin yeah, he's Sheen got a really a, Italian kind of look to him for sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And Martin Sheen doesn't really have that hard Italian look, in my opinion. Yeah. But I mean, then again, I think I would be more. It'd be more believable that he was a war veteran because he does look he does fit that look I thought like Al Pacino he's got like never, a young GI look yes and yeah. Al Pacino definitely did not have that look to me like I didn't really I remember when he like isn't it the first Godfather where he comes home and he's in the suit and everything like that uh no I thought there's a scene where he's in the, in a, his military suit because he fought in World War 2 isn't that yes. what his story was in Godfather I it's been a long time was since it World him. War 2 I'm almost was, certain yeah definitely a World War uh, I think it was World War 1 no no he was just coming back from the war yeah because it was like in the 50s yeah yeah sure. yeah because yeah, yeah. that's when yeah. it takes place right exactly so does not take place in the 20s we are introduced to Colonel Kurtz and kind of get a little bit of his backstory did you notice this guy of course you know uh, well we'll get to it later what? Um, the, the Warhammer connection here Oh, what? Conrad Kurz. Oh, really? Yeah, Colonel Kurtz. Uh, Conrad Kurz. Dude, the assassin that kills Conrad. This means nothing to most of our listeners, obviously. Yeah. Most of our the, listeners are like, wait, why, who do, the they, fuck why do they know so much about war? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the assassin that kills Conrad Kurz is M. Sheen. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they totally, you know. Wow. And they kind of get into... Kurtz and they they basically kind of break down that the dude like he was an, a great soldier he was very effective and he just kind of lost it and he was going to be arrested for killing four um, South Vietnamese people mm-hmm. and that's when like he, without a, without orders without he, orders he, he was go, he killed these four South Vietnamese officers and he said that they were double agents and. After that, he went on the run, basically, and they have not been able to catch him since then. And they want Martin Sheen to terminate his command, basically. And and more to that, they were explaining how he had like uh, amassed a little a little group that was considering him a god. Yes, know, like he he had like some followers, and basically he was kind of like a. You know, he was kind of like a terror agent at a certain point where, like, the North Vietnamese were, like, actually fearful of this dude and his unit and whatnot because they would strike where they weren't, like, expected and things like that. And they would, they would, they were very effective as well at their tactics and whatnot. And he had a bunch of South Vietnamese kind of working with him and fighting with him and stuff like that, along with his unit of, like, special force guys yeah. and whatnot. So, and they played him a little, a little tape of what he was saying. Yeah. Of, and, like, the, well, no, because he's been releasing tapes since then. And that's, um, that's one of the tapes that he, sure. he that they have of him and his speeches yeah. and whatnot as he's gone. And it was a really further. profound speech. He was saying that he felt like a snail. Yeah. <laughs> walking on a razor's edge. Yeah. And he wouldn't die. Yeah. It was super profound. I was just like, wow, this guy is like, wow, I would follow him into the fucking jungle too. Yeah, he was he <laughs> was he was going he was going off. It definitely didn't just sound like nonsense. Right, right. It's uh yeah, that's interesting. So um Basically, uh, Captain Willard, that's uh, Martin Sheen, uh, his mission is to go up upriver, find Colonel, infiltrate his crew, and terminate his command. 
The CIA guy looks very, looks very scummy at this point, and he's like terminate with extreme prejudice. Yeah, it's like he, they, he was getting scummier and scummier. Like he looks, yeah, he looks he was getting wetter and wetter. And wetter yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. From there, we cut cut away from him, and we start to enter the travel. Now, did you know that this was based on a book? I didn't. Okay, so the book is called Heart of Darkness, okay. and it's all about um, a steamboat in the um, in Africa traveling to the Congo. And this main character, that's that's kind of the Willard character, who joins onto this boat, and the driver of the boat is something Kurtz or whatever, okay? And he's kind of the, the antagonist throughout the film, and it delves into, like, um, imperialism and the racial issues and stuff like that. And in Britain, you know, their imperialism and racial... I would have really liked taking that. advantage of the Africans and whatnot. That'd be a really great movie. Why didn't like they right? make a movie about that? So that's that's this movie. That's not what this was about. It absolutely was. We're, this was about imperialism. Yeah, very much so. Especially like the extended version. You watched the extended version, right? I, I watched the final cut. Yeah. Okay. So it's it it. We'll get to all that stuff. So okay. it, most of that stuff is all brought up in this film. It's just okay. you might have just at this point in the movie. Um, you may just not care. So we'll see, we'll see where we're at when we get there, okay? So that's uh, very telling for where this, <laughs> this review is going to go. So we enter travel. Um, they start traveling down, down range. They're starting off on helicopters. He's going to meet a boat, basically. Um, we start with some pre-synth, synth-style music. God, I loved it. No crazy door gunner this time on the helicopter. I noticed that for you right away, so we didn't have to deal with any of that shit. Um, there wasn't a lot of that, like... Horrific shit in this right, movie. Right. Like, obviously, there was like the dead, you know, because it yeah. was a war movie. Yeah. But it was a lot of like the lighter side of war, it almost seemed like. Mm, really? Well, there there was a. It definitely made it seem more fun. It might have just been that the. We should, maybe we should have watched this before we watched Full Metal Jacket, and you would have had a different feeling about this one. Because it's pretty fucking brutal, what happens in this movie and whatnot, and the psychology the, that the, goes the, on in this movie. Yeah, okay, maybe. I think maybe in just in comparison to uh, Full Metal Jacket, maybe this just seemed way more of like a... Um, this definitely seemed like romance. Wow, really? I definitely didn't feel that No, way. I, I, I did. Uh, how could you not? Okay, let's start talking about this next we'll get we'll get We'll get to yeah. it in a second. I think also one of the issues, too, is we're dealing with, like, again, a guy who's very experienced and very different than the characters that we dealt with in Full Metal Jacket. And that's probably one of the reasons why it feels a little bit different, because it would be like if we watched, well, we'll get to those scenes way later, but the scene where they're at the last stop and then we're dealing with those guys that are fighting. um, Oh, the ones that have lost it. Yeah, that have completely lost it. Like, Full Metal Jacket is more from those points of view than it is from this point of view. So that's that's probably where you feel that way. So at this point, while he's flying down, he's kind of reviewing some stuff, and he thinks to himself that this is the first American that he's ever been told to kill. So and, And he talks about, like, how... He this shouldn't make any difference to him because he's a soldier and he follows his orders. But for some reason, this didn't feel the same as the stuff that he was doing before. So he's it's starting to bother him a little bit. So we have a lot of fades. It's just like Godfather, where it fades from one scene into the other scenes and whatnot. Fades from that scene into him on the boat. He's going up river. Um, he's got his his crew and these kind of this crew is kind of like the crew he deals with throughout the movie. Young Lawrence Fishburne, of course. Man, was that motherfucker young in this movie. Dude, that guy was like 13 years old. Yeah, no doubt. I I think he was actually 18 years old in this movie. Sure, I I believe it. So, yeah. He looked like a kid. Yeah, he definitely was. But that was... So young. That's definitely... 
I think that's kind of the character. That, that is so much better than the problems I had with Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, for sure. Because they all look a little old. Right, exactly. Those guys kids. all were like in their 20s and yeah. they were supposed to be 17. Like these guys look, yeah. at least him especially, looks really young. Lawrence Fishburne looked young as hell. Yeah. Same thing with the, uh, not the, the the cook, not chef. No. But the other guy, the surfer, the surfer guy, yeah. uh, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also looked super yeah. young. Yeah, he, he looked 20. like he was like 19 or yeah, 20. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And I thought that's a better representation of some of these guys that, like obviously you're going to have the, the boat commander who's like an older guy who's sure. been dealing with a lot of shit. He's probably fought in Korea as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to have like younger dudes because that's what you fill in the ranks with is like newer guys and whatnot yeah. and senior guys become the off you know the yeah. NCOs. And then leading. really uh, Martin Sheen's character yeah who was a captain yeah had a very young captain. Yeah I figured him. that he looked in my opinion if I had to nail him I'd probably say he was he was like 26 27 yeah. almost 30 sure. somewhere b- below 30 but not like way lower that, than 30 that but that's completely for, normal. For, oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah because especially because like to become an officer, you have your, you know, your college education or whatnot, yeah. or you can. Was get, that even the case back then? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. To, I don't know because yeah. I wasn't in, in fucking sure, Vietnam, yeah, course, so I don't know yeah, exactly. I think in, in. I just figure since you're like a war guy. You yeah, know, but I think certainly. like even like World War Two, I'm pretty sure most of the officers were college educated dudes or like had advanced experience or like West Point guys and stuff like that. Sure, so like yeah. you could probably you'd be a lieutenant, you know, in your young twenties. You know, first lieutenant, you know, second lieutenant, all that shit. And then, like, you'd be a captain, 25, 26, You would be, like, again, this isn't a dude who's, like, I mean, this is this is make-believe. We should point that out, too. This isn't, like, an actual, like, yeah. military yeah. event. He didn't so, like, actually earn this. Right, exactly. Position. So, yeah. like, my captains were all probably, like, in their, like, 30s or, you know, sure. or whatnot. But, like... Yeah, like your 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 XOs and all that stuff were like in their twenties and whatnot, you know. And if he was special forces, he might have had you know a fast track on something like that, and that's how he became sure. captain yeah, or whatnot. Okay, yeah. He, uh, you know, it is what it is. So um, uh, there was a couple of times where I felt like his rank mattered, and there was it most does. of the time where I just feel like it didn't really matter. because it, it. I mean, I think it's the, because the because the boat people didn't really, you yeah, because they were like and Navy, so right? that's definitely no, but so it still matters, right? Like you just because like you're if you're like in the Navy and you're like. I forgot what their E ones and E twos are, but mm-hmm. they they have a name for them, sure. just like you know privates in in, in yeah. the army. Like I don't know if it's sailor or what it is or, or whatever, right? Yeah. But if you're like an E one or E two, and like an army O three or O four is there, you you can't be like oh you're in your army. I don't give a fuck about yeah. you. Like you still like like, you're still to, ch- like you know yes sir command. you know exactly oh, wow, exactly like that and stuff like that. You still have the chain. Of, chain That's of how fucking, little I know about the military. Right? Yeah yeah for sure. So like, but here's the thing, right? Even not always. But in the good situations, experience is more important than rank all the fucking time. Sure, okay, yeah. so like, like I had a, where it matters. Absolutely, yeah. I had a friend who was, I believe, an E eight in the Navy. Okay, and like officers, he's still you know yes sir no you know you know it's still the same respect. But officers would still like look to like kind of defer to him. Well, of course, because yeah. like your experience, and that's if you're in war, especially like you know there's. Plenty of not going that way, sure, okay, yeah. and shitty XOs and all that stuff, like not doing what, you know, lieutenants and stuff like that, like not, yeah. but you're almost always going to, like, defer to, like, the NCO that's experienced, you know, the staff sergeant, the first sergeant that's, like, heavily experienced, man, because those people have been, like, doing their shit for, like, 15 years, whereas you've been an officer for, like, two or three years or whatever, sure. who the fuck are you going to, and so, like, 
more importantly, though, like the the brown, uh, I think they were called like brown navy or something like that. Those are like the dudes, the riverboat guys and yeah, shit like that. Yeah. Were like really well experienced and shit like that. So like he's not going to be like oh, I'm a captain. You have to listen to me. Like yeah. he even points out. I think he even points out in the movie that like yeah, he said I'm I'm the ranking officer, but but he's, he's in command of this boat. Uh, yeah, of this boat. Sure. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's going to be be him. Although later in the in the movie, he, he does go. Like, this is my mission. You have to listen. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So. He starts reviewing Colonel Kurtz's information more, his duggets, and he doesn't understand how this could have gone where it's gone, right? Because he's like... Um, this guy's perfect. Yeah, yeah this guy, dude, like, crazy good. Like, he joined, I think he joined Airborne in, like, his 30s, yeah. and he went to Special Forces, yeah, yeah. like, in his mid-30s, yes. okay? Yeah. So, like, and then he talks about, like, he was in special... He went through Special Forces training at 19, yeah. and it beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. This dude was, like, 20 years older than him yeah. when he went through Special Forces and shit like that. So, like, he doesn't... He's like, this this guy's fucking... What the fuck? Like, how could this have gone wrong? And, like, why would this guy go to Special Forces? Because he even brings up, like, he could have been a general or something yeah. like that if he wouldn't have went to Special yeah. Forces. He could have been he, chief of staff. Yeah. Right, for sure. He, he like... He'd have been in a much higher position, but for whatever reason, that's not what he wanted. And they he also did talk about he, when they were reading through when he was reading through these documents about how he submitted a paper to like the Joint Chiefs of Staff yeah. and the President, yeah. and then they like classified the shit out of it. Yeah, and like, this bring, this is brought up later, but oh, it is, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he reviews Colonel Kurtz basically from the time he gets in the chopper, yeah. like. For the next hour and a half to two hours yeah, of the movie, yeah. he's like reviewing stuff over and over because it's a huge file, and then he gets an updated file later on when he gets yeah. down the river. But we'll we'll get to that, obviously. So, yeah, he's just like this is like the perfect soldier. So he just doesn't understand how this could have happened. They see some air cav, and but it's not in the spot where they're supposed to be. Because because they're supposed to meet him further yeah, down river. Yeah, exactly. They're and a little he's closer like, than they should. Right? Why are they here? So then he he goes he gets off the boat to go talk to the CEO Robert Duvall, of course. Another you know he's the uh, what is he he's what is consigliere. he consigliere? Yes, yeah. exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Um, he um, and. He's there, and they start talking about the air cav, and the air cav, like, historically were kind of badass dudes in Vietnam and whatnot, because they were always in the shit, and the colonel finds out who's all there, and he hears about this, the, <laughs> Lawrence is there, and Lawrence is a surfer, and he's instantly like, oh, wait, what the fuck, he's got to go talk to this guy, because yeah, for whatever like reason. known surfer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, all right. I got to go talk to this guy. So he goes and talks to the surfer and he introduces them to two of his soldiers that are also surfers from back home. And they start dealing with all this surf shit. And so like they, they, they have more unit stuff. Cause they like, tell me how in this scene, yeah. this didn't seem much more lighthearted. Dude. Like so, Robert Duvall was just like, yo, I'm going to help you out just because dude, there are better waves out there. I'll get to it because like, okay, man, like I think I'm going to go blow up this entire village because I want to go surfing over here. I think on the surface that feels like, funny i don't think what it's it any charlie don't surf i don't think it's any more humorous than some of the stuff that happens in full metal jacket i just feel like this is just as fucked up as some of the stuff in full metal jacket but it's just played slightly different because basically okay so this whole point of the scene is they have to meet up with the air cab because the air cab has to move them further down down range so that they can get on this river so they can go up to cambodia which they're, they're not supposed to be at and they're 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 gonna stay the night with that unit, and they're dealing with this surf shit. And basically, like you know, they're you like, know what I'm saying, you know, what I'm saying that this is feels more lighthearted. What? I was watching this movie, and there were a lot of points where I was just like, I think being here would have been a vibe. 
And I did not think that when I was watching wow. Full Metal Jacket. So, when I saw Full Metal Jacket from the beginning to the end, I was like deeply uncomfortable. Like I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to talk about this. Like that's how uncomfortable I was. They, and in this movie, when they were like on that beach and they were just kind of shooting and he was just like, yo, get in that fucking water. I was just like, this shit looks like fun. Bro. Okay. <laughs> there. All right. There. So they made it seem all, like this was like a party. Martin Sheen is like. I'm a, like uh, this is a mission. I have this serious mission. I have to get to. Yeah. I need to go here. He's trying to do his okay. mission. Yeah, and he's like, we need to be. We need to get. You need to drop us right here. Yeah, and then they start looking at the map, and they're like, actually, the surf is better here, yeah. so I'll take you here. Yeah, like his mission is like yeah. okay, like he didn't care about the mission. Right, he's he was like, just like, uh, I'll drop you off over here because I want to go surfing there. Right, and he looks at the surfer and Lawrence, and he's just like, you want to go surfing there? Or what? Yeah, what do you think about that chop? I mean, like yeah, that sounds good. I'm glad. I'm glad this one affected you less than Full Metal Jacket because to me that's like, to me that's fucked up. Like you're like, yeah, I know you have this important mission and it's a top secret classified mission, yeah. but I'm not going to help you out that much. We're, I'll help you out, of course. Well, I think my I want because I want to believe that that's not what it was like. I mean, like, what do you mean what it was like? Like, I want to believe that this was a little funny. Of course, it's a little funny. Like, no, but, but like, what I'm saying is. This no char- dude, no this dude is actually a character. Yeah, co- no dude actually ripped apart a fucking village so he could go surfing. That would be horrific. That would be some fucking ugly dark shit. I think that's the point of the scene, dude. Okay, because the next scene is them. They dude, go. It was then so dark. I didn't even register. It yeah, dark. dude. I registered it as, as Absolutely. Comedy. That's that's what the whole scene is. It's it. This guy is like, dude. That's because they're disgusting, like, they're like, man. listen, no, no that wait, makes stop. Me sick. Not only are they like, I want to go here because it's easier to get. They're like, I want to go here because he, the you know, um, uh, Kilgore. That's the the cap. The fucking captain's name is Kilgore. He's like, we're gonna go here, and uh, Willard goes, dude, that town is, like, hairy as fuck. And he's basically like, I don't care. We'll yeah. fuck it up because I'm going to go surfing. Yeah. And they go, like, I don't care about they go to the more dangerous town. Yeah. Be- and and they explode every They fucking, fucking kill everybody. Yeah. There's a point where, like, women are running away. And he's yeah. like, get them, those three right there. And yeah. they gun down those three women. Yeah. And then come back, land, so that they can go surfing. And... That seemed to me that play lighthearted to me. Okay, I'm sure, but that's I don't know. To me, that's just as fucked as most of the stuff that that's happened. more fucked. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't realize you that didn't he realize was that was, to play it straight. I, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it while oh, you were enjoying it. That's Jesus good. Jesus Christ, that's good. No, that's cool, man. Uh, so, uh, cue fight of the Valkyries. They as we brought up, they fuck up this whole town. This whole town, the whole scene is done very much like an old school war movie too. This is like 1950s, 1960s style. World War II style movie where they're just flying in and out and blowing up things and shooting people and everything's good and um, he that's when he gives his napalm speech. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, but that's no, okay. Like so, but see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, the way that they were so it, maybe it's not so much that it was played lightheartedly, right? But it was definitely played with this like feeling of man, this guy's badass. You know, like that's I agree kinda, with that, but, but like, that's but that's not how Full Metal Jacket was. Sure, everybody in Full Metal Jacket that was doing their shit and that was in the shit was just like dour about it. Like, yeah, but it they was, bring up like that, like even this. even the guy who plays um, Jane in yeah. in Firefly, 
the uh, what was his yeah, wolf yeah, mother, uh, animal, animal mother. mother. That guy, they like it was one of these characters where yeah. it was just like ah, but they like introduced him as some as somebody that had something wrong with him. Sure, that like that wasn't this wasn't a good thing. Whereas in this movie, all of the like escapades and shit always looked like yeah, you know, like we're having a lot of fun doing it. Like it was just like it seemed very yeah. I, I can see what skewed. you mean. This was I mean, more, a little bit more romanticized. Yeah, like you, you you point out, but I I still thought. That's what uh, I'm saying. This movie had more of like a this shit seemed like a vibe kind of feel, <laughs> whereas like the other movie was just like, dude, war is horrific, you know. I I okay, well, I still feel like that. That's what this movie's conveying, sure. but in a different way I think than that, that. I think um, that it it did more to uh, make it seem like a good time yeah. or like a heroic time, yeah. rather than dude, like a they like na- wait, wait a time. second, wait a second, yeah, they napalm the fuck yeah. out of the the village, and then lab. he's like, he's like, yeah, you, yeah, there's no fucking smell like this shit, and right? I was like, okay, that's like, fucking okay. He seems so, like he's enjoying it, and then they can't surf because they napalm so much yeah, that yeah. the napalm is pulling. So yeah, either way, at this point, but then the guy's just like, listen, man, I'm an artist. I can't, I can't go surfing in in this situation. And he's like, they're trying to like get away with it yeah. so that he doesn't have to go surfing. Like, I feel like that's, no. And then they're like, that's jokey shit, man. right? I I guess. But then the, and then he, Martin Sheen's character and them are like. This dude's fucking nuts. Let's get the fuck out of yeah, here. And yeah. they're like, they haul ass to get out of there. And, and he's steal, like, and steal a surfboard. Right. And then later we find out they stole the surfboard because he's looking for the surfboard. So, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Because they get to a point where they want to go up river, but they want to wait till nighttime to go up river. So they're kind of hiding underneath these these bushes and whatnot. They stole the colonel's surfboard. <laughs> the colonel's got the fucking uh, helicopters going up and down trying to find the surfboard. And <laughs> it's a very nice board. <laughs> and I liked it. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. That so, scene was hysterical. So they get out and they go into the woods for a little bit. They're going to take a piss and whatnot. And they fuck around in the woods. A tiger shows up at this point. They run back. They're shooting at it. They run back into the boat. Uh, and then they point out, never get never get off the boat. Like that was a kind of like a phrase back in the day for those dudes. Like never get off the boat. And then Willard kind of mentally thinks about, Kurtz and that whole like slogan of never getting off the boat and how he got off the boat. And that's kind of how he went to where he was. And he keeps having issues with his history. Um, and like, like I brought up earlier, he, this is when he brings up that he, he um, joined special forces really late in life. And that was really weird that he did that. Next scene, they arrive at a resupply station, the captain, Wait, which resupply station is this? this? Is the first one. Is this the one where it's Playboy raining people? Nope. No, oh, okay, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep, it is. It is. Sorry. Okay, yep. yeah. So uh, they have to get supplies again, and the captain, Willard, has to bust some ass to get the shit because the yeah. um, supply sergeant doesn't want to give it to them yeah. at first. He's just being a little dickhead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, absolutely how supply sergeants are. So, really? Cause they have what fucking, is a supply sergeant? I don't know. I mean, so they're like the people who give you know give you your supplies and shit like that, whatever oh, okay. you, you need or whatnot. Sure. And they have a very much, like kind of how I have with a movie where I have a... Uh, Check sheet yeah, that if a check, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they have check sheets and it has to match. You know, all the numbers have yeah. to match, even though it doesn't yeah. really fucking matter. But then, at all. The, so, like, he grabs him. The yeah, and he's, he's like, like, "Fuck you!" Right, exactly. Because he's like, "I'm on a fucking secret mission, yeah. a classified mission here, yeah. and you're gonna fucking do what I ask you yeah. to do or whatever." Uh, so then they, um, at this point, they're gonna get some R and R. So they go, they attended a USO show, which yeah. this is like a real thing that they used to do and whatnot. Sure. They have these USO shows, and they have like you know you know what this USO show uh, seemed like? Huh? A vibe? Really? Yeah, it seemed fun. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so they have play playmates show up. Basically, yeah, the, three the, playmates. Show yeah, up. that that wasn't meant to. 
be shown as like a good time. I mean, like everyone was laughing, having a good time. Everyone was screaming, dude. They I loved it. They're eating it up. They are because they're like in the middle of a dog shit situation, yeah. and then like women just dancing around on this like stage yeah. are like, you know, what we had in Full Metal Jacket. What that prostitute scene? Yeah, yeah. that almost made me cry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this one we have something completely different. Oh, okay. What I'm saying is like. Clearly, it was trying to evoke a different reaction. Sure. No, I think that it's just a little bit older, so they kind of went with a different flow from it. And, and it's a different director, too. I mean, like, let's be real. Francis Ford Coppola romanticizes things. I mean, like sure. The Godfather. Like, you know, he a perfect, romanticizes gangsters. I I, you know what? I Actually, a perfect comparison I was going to bring up later. You compare, like, Godfather to Goodfella. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I would compare this movie to, like, Full Metal Jacket. Like... The one of them is kind of a little bit more romanticized, a little bit more of an adventure. The other one is a little bit more blue collar. It's a little bit more rough around the edges. It's a little bit more in the shit how bad things are. Because, like, I, I know Goodfellas is a little bit different for you because, like, maybe the first half of it is you're a saying Goodfellas is the more fun one? Yeah, or the, no. Or is the more rough one? I'm saying it's the more rough one than Godfather. Godfather it's is more, more of a... Yeah, it's, it's, it, the Godfather is more art. Yeah. Whereas God, Goodfellas is more, like... This could get ugly. Right. And it, things it got is. ugly in right. Godfather, but it was always art. I mean, it's not as bad as fucking Goodfella, where they fucking... I mean, Goodfella, they, with with Billy Bats, yeah. that scene, or they fucking the shoot Billy Tommy in the back of the bad. head. But, like, stuff. what about the cafe scene where he shoots the... the yeah, the, I don't know. Like, know. Like, I feel like face. it's more of a... And they blow up his wife when she's fucking in the car, dude. Uh, I, I feel as though Godfather's much more of a ro- high-end They blow up Apollonia, though. bro. Mm, fuck <laughs> She was she was she was meant to be blown up. So uh, things start to get out of hand. The guys start rushing the stage and whatnot, and uh, they have to base the chopper. The guy running the chopper gets the playmates on the helicopter, and they take off to get the fuck out of there. Uh, you, we get a scene of Willard kind of like uh, thinking about things, and he brings up Charlie didn't have much USO. His idea of R and R was cold rice and rat meat. Yeah. He only had two ways home: death. Or victory. And he starts to kind of think about, like, the difference between, like, the North Vietnamese and, sure. and our people and shit like that. And it got me thinking about things, like, even nowadays. Like, how, like, the Taliban or, like, Al-Qaeda and people like that. And I'm obviously our soldiers are still fucking badass and shit like that. But, like, we have MVGs and we have, like, all this advanced technology and shit like that. And, sure. like, we still have problems with dudes living in caves. Sure. Well, um, Martin Brando's, or Marlon Brando's character at the end yeah, really we'll drives into, that point. Well, right. We'll yeah. get into all that type of shit, but that's like why, like, I remember hearing reports about how hard it was to like catch certain people and shit like that. Like, for them to catch like U.S. homegrown terrorists, they're fucking mostly stupid. Like, they're looking up things on the internet and shit like that. And then before they, like, I've been watching a show on Netflix that deals with it and like how these terrorists. Like, I didn't know how many terrorists almost pulled off a plot over the last like twenty years mm-hmm. since nine eleven, and they caught like. They basically busted them right before it happened and shit yeah. like that. Like the boss because they have been following them for months, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like because they're looking up how to build this thing. <laughs> yeah, on, for sure. On like, the like, just Google fucking dumb how as to shit. Blow up the world. Absolutely. You know, Whereas like the dudes that are in the shit, they don't use fucking cell phones. They don't use yeah, written technology. They they, yeah. It's just like Goodfellas, yeah. where he, uh, he didn't runs use a telephone. Yeah, he, right. Sure. He runs. A guy runs out, talks on the telephone, runs over, talks At to him, the and he barbecue, runs back to the. He's got right. one person whispering in his ear, right, exactly. and then another person goes and whispers in his yeah. ear. Yeah, and that's kind of how a lot of these organizations who we have problems with operate because we're so used to dealing with people that are operating on cell phones and yeah. GPSs. Well, and, and there's. Are, I think what he's also kind of making a point to say is that. 
for as like I mean and and this was the USO show part, right? The idea was that even our warriors are coddled compared to their warriors. Right. Yeah, know? absolutely. I think there's a lot of people that would say that even now because like, you know, like we're highly trained yeah. individuals that are that are very well trained. These people over there, they're fucking they're one of their trainings is living a hard fucking life their entire fucking life for yeah. the most part, you know. So it it is what it is, right? So they they start to head back down river. They're starting to water ski now. Uh, Cap starts to review Kurtz again. Now, this is where he brings up his opinions on top uh, about how the generals are fucking up. And basically, I think he even says something yeah, about... Yeah, he says uh, this, this whole war is being run by clowns. Yes, and they're about to give away the circus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kurtz ordered the assassination of four people, South Vietnamese officers. As soon as they these four people were killed, NVA attacks in his sector completely dropped off. They, they basically went from being harassed on a regular basis from NVA to nothing. So he must have got lucky. That's what uh, Martin Sheen kind of says. He must have got lucky and got the, and guessed the right four people or whatever, right? Clearly indicating that, like, this dude knew what the fuck was going on. He was able to fucking take action and basically protect his people at the cost of, you know, more reprimand from the yeah, army and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of... Uh, and really more than reprimand. Right. Like, literally. They wanted to arrest him yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of like a, a view into, like, are these... Do these dudes really want to win this war at all? Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. And he kind of mentions that the army kept trying to bring him back in and kind of reel him back in a little bit, but he kept doing what he wanted to do the way he wanted to do it, and he kept winning over and over and over and, and just basically overachieving compared to everybody else, even though he was doing it his way, and the army was kind of just not, not with that at all. Yeah, but then at some point he's just like... Uh, and when they... When he was... Or I think this was earlier. Yeah. Because he kept wanting to join something, mm-hmm. and they kept denying him. Yeah. And then at some point he's just like, okay, well, then I'm going to retire. And That's like, when oh, he joined okay, Special we'll Forces. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right. Because he kept that... Because they were... Because he was he's, old already. They were... They, he, um, Martin Sheen reviews that they were trying to groom him for a certain position and yeah. whatnot, and that's why he, they kept on denying him going to Special sure. Forces, because he could never get above... His uh, colonel or whatever yeah. in special forces. So, um, but he didn't give a fuck. That's what he wanted to do. So, uh, at this point, uh, Willard makes a deal and he kind of reveals a few things to the boat commander because they still don't even know where they're going. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, you know, it's classified, it's classified, blah, blah, blah. So, at this point, he actually brings up that they're going to Cambodia. Because um, he's we, just like, we got to keep going up this river. And he's just like, well, if you keep going up this river, we're going to end up in Cambodia. And he yeah. goes, keep going up the river. And he's just yeah. like, yo, that's. We can't go in there. And he right. goes, keep, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> keep, keep yeah. And so historically, in like Cambodia was a neutral place. Okay. And, um, but it was like perfect territory because it connected to, you know, it was sure. touching Vietnam. Yeah. And a lot of the rivers went in. And so you could basically get to different areas of Vietnam going through Cambodia. So both sides abused the fuck out of Cambodia and used it, even though there was an agreement that neither side, the Vietnamese or Americans, would use Cambodia. What we would do instead of, um, you know, this isn't brought up in the in the movie at all, but we would use contractors. This is kind of the first war where contractors were started to brought into it because basically what the what the what we figured out, the Department of Defense figured out, was that... You could take a guy from the military 
end his military career and just pay him more and continue and you would be a civilian at that point and then you could set up a base over here where the military is not That's supposed the military. to we don't have we don't have anybody from the military there even though these 12 guys were just in the military 2 weeks ago basically yeah, and yeah. they're now paid under the table not under the table even as you know contractors to the department of defense so but isn't that the same thing mm, i mean only in essence right cuz we are both we're we're both so it gets very technical, right? Because that's what Blackwater was, right? I mean, that's what all the. Um, co- I, I don't know guys. any of this. Yeah, there's time. I mean, there's a hundred. But I remember names. during the Bush era, I remember yeah. Blackwater. Blackwater was the one that was kind of like the most. Yeah, yeah I exactly. was in the so, media and shit. Right. So like, and I remember like I don't know what they did that was wrong. Yeah. I just remember that they were like I think they were military contractors like in Africa, yeah. right? Yeah. Or some shit like that. Some shit like that, and like. Um, no, in Iraq. There were issues oh, in Iraq and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, basically, a contractor could be all kinds of different things. So there's contractors for making bolts. for Because the Army's not making bolts, right? And shit like that. So, like, bolts and screws. You could be a contractor doing that. The person who... The companies that make... Um, M16s or M4s, they're contracted through the military and stuff. So then you also have civilian contractors that provide security and shit of that nature. And so that's where, like, gray area starts to come in because then, like... You are technically a U.S. citizen operating in foreign territories under a contract, but you still have usually the same state motive. So are you a state opera? You know, like that's there's trust me. This is where a lot of the contractor like dispute gets into and stuff like that, because it's like. Exactly what you're bringing up right now is an issue for I can't even imagine, not just us, for like Congress and I, things yeah, like that. Yeah, well, yeah, but I can't imagine anybody from any country going into any other country and killing somebody yeah. and getting away with it, no matter who they you say don't, they yeah, are. I mean, it matters, right? Like, because well, I, guess, like, I guess technically you wouldn't blame in that sense the United States. You would just blame the, the company. Or the whatever. contractors, yeah, right. And sure. people have absolutely been charged with crimes that were contractors yeah, and yeah, shit yeah. of that nature. But the U.S. Know? goes, oh, weird. We didn't know that they were doing yeah, that. We, that was, yeah, that was, oh, okay. They operated outside of their, sure. you know. Those um, are civilians. We have nothing yeah. to do with that shit. I, it, no, it wasn't that. Like, especially not in Iraq. Cause you, so, like, the U.S. absolutely did that in the 70s and the 80s. Sure. Like, had contractors in Africa and all different areas. And they would just deny, you know, like, yeah. oh, we had nothing to do with that. That sure. was a private citizen at, operating incorrectly in your, in your country. Yeah. Charge them as you yeah, would. Put them in jail. Exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. they, and they would absolutely do that. Sure, so yeah. um, there's definitely people in Africa doing time because of things that they did under contract with yeah. the U.S. government. I wonder if they're so. angry about that or if they were just like, I, that's what I signed up for. I mean, like you would think in theory they would feel like that. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. But, but nobody like, takes. Sucks. I was going to say, nobody, <laughs> very few people take responsibility for after their actions. Fact. Right, yeah, exactly like that. that Beforehand, will, they're just like, I'm never going to get caught. Yeah, exactly. And you get paid a lot of money as a contractor. I, I mean, they yeah. get paid a lot of money. So, and, But there's like contractors that like, you know, sit on boats and stuff like that. Like, sure. You know, whatever, whatever the fuck it is that they need, you know, to guard against pirates and shit of that nature. So, um, and we would have plausible deniability in the 70s and the 80s and things of that. And then he brings up that, to get back to the actual movie, he brings up that all they have to do for him is get him close to the spot where he wants to be dropped off. And at that point, he's going to cut the boat, boat loose and they can go back uh, up, back down river and they'll be safe. They don't have to actually get in the shit with him. Uh, they get up further up river and they get to another army base. Uh, this one's just about abandoned. And we find out that this is where the Playboy playmates were uh, landed because the helicopter ran out of gas, and so they make a deal with like they're they're gonna trade gas to have time with the playmates and whatnot, and they're like, 
You're, you traded gas to uh, for time with uh, Playmate of the Month or whatever? No, I traded gas for time with Playmate of the Year or whatever, right? You know, so yeah, yeah. then we have that whole weird fucking scene where they're, you know, kind of coked out looking. I mean, obviously not coked out, but they're very much in a, in a shit spot at this point. Uh, they get back on the river. The boat commander gets into a bit of a standoff with the captain at this point because there's a supply boat on this river. And... The uh, boat commander wants to stop the supply boat and check out everything that's on the boat. And Captain Willard's like, dude, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. This is not your water to patrol. Keep fucking moving. We don't have, we don't need. And the boat commander's just like, no, we're going to fucking stop this boat. We're going to check this boat out. Cook. Like, he's really about checking. This yeah, boat he's out. really like. And everyone's just like, dude, I don't want to fucking this. do this yeah. boat. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just beans and shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, the cook jumps over, starts checking things out. Uh, at this point, over nothing, yeah. um, literally just like out of a woman know, like, stands up. Yeah, yeah. Fishborn loses his shit and just starts unloading yeah. on this boat. Um, everybody else starts unloading on the boat. They shoot everybody on the boat. Yeah, uh, they go to see what the woman was getting up to stop him from going into, and it was just a puppy a in that dog. spot. Yeah, for sure. The the woman's still alive though, and. They're talking about what they should do about the woman. Like, hey, we need to give her help. We can't just leave her here or whatever. And then Martin Sheen just smokes her ass. Yeah. Like, I told you, you shouldn't have stopped or yeah. whatnot. And Which, at this point, like, it's getting a little heavy. Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit heavier, yeah. obviously, at this yeah. point. And uh, next scene up, that they hit the last army post on this river. This is yeah. the last point where the army can be because uh, past this is neutral water. Then we just see a bunch of dudes. Yeah. This is just like uh fucking like no man's land. At almost. the wit's yeah. end, right. There's there's guys trying to climb on the boat, they're getting in the water. Please let me go yeah. with you or yeah. whatever this and that. Uh they park the boat. Willard has to go get he's looking for supplies. Basically, he needs gas, he needs bullets. Um he starts to go through the area. They meet a guy there who was waiting for Willard actually, but he expected him a few days earlier when yeah. things were a little bit more normal and shit. Yeah. Um, he gives him a bunch of uh, information, more information about Colonel Kurtz, and also some mail for the guys on there. He starts to go through that area. Um, he gets up to like the trench lines and whatnot. He gets in there, and this, one of my fucking favorite scenes. I love this fucking scene in the movie because there's two black dudes, yeah. and they're like on a on a thirty, yeah. and they're just gunning down motherfuckers out there. Yeah. And the well, maybe. Go, the dude, right. The dude's going off. He's just, he's completely lost it, screaming. He's like, I told you to stop fucking with me. You think you're so bad, huh, nigga? You think you're so bad? And Martin Sheen's like, what are you shooting at, soldier? Gooks, what the fuck you think I'm shooting at? Oh, sorry, sir. There's gooks on the wire. <laughs> yeah. He, like, realizes he's a right. captain. He's exactly. like, oh, yeah. But just the way he's like, what the fuck you think I'm shooting <laughs> yeah. at? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So good, man. And then, like, yeah, there's a guy basically stuck on the wire, and they get one of the other dudes to come over and help him out. He's like... Uh, the guy in the 30 cal, he's like, he, Willard asks him, hey, where's the C? He's like, who's the CO here? And he's like, ain't it you, you man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they get up the other guy because one of the dudes is still screaming at the, he's on the wire and he's screaming and shit. You, yeah. you know what that is, right? That's where they set up like barbed wire defenses. Okay. So then people can't get past that area. Sure. And then you shoot. You, that's what enemy at the wire is all about. Yeah. And so he unloads a, a, a 203 round and then kills the fucking dude that doesn't even look. He kind of just listens. Yeah. Shoots the round. It's like a it's grenade or some shit? Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, you know, a rocket propelled grenade. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly that. So I figured it's what it was, but I didn't recognize what that was. Yeah, absolutely. And so um this point Willard asked that guy, he's like, Hey, do you know who the CO is here? And the guy's just like, Yep. And, and walks, walks away. away from him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I thought he was gonna take him to the CO. Right, and of course. No. no, he's just going back to go to sleep again. Yeah. 
it's just this is um the cap uh basically gets some supplies he gets a bunch of rounds and stuff and he gets back on the boat and like this is just dude this this scene like you said it's no man's land like yeah, there's yeah. things blowing up everywhere yeah. and shit like that it's it is so fucked dude's it's falling the, off of the like ledge and absolutely shit, you know? like the army has pretty much abandoned this place yeah. and just left these dudes there to yeah. fucking die that's what and it seemed fight like. and yeah, for sure. until they die for the most part and it's kind of a fucked spot that's for sure but it does make for some laughs so that's that's fun. We get an update about a situation that we heard about earlier, and it actually ties into something that the boat commander brought up because the boat commander earlier says that he also brought another dude downriver a few months back, and that guy killed himself yep. from what he's heard. So find out we that guy didn't kill himself. That guy's still alive, and he's actually part of Colonel Kurtz's war band now or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was the last Special Forces guy, same mission as what Martin Sheen has right now. So now we're getting to a situation where it's like, What's going on? You know, is Martin Sheen going to join this dude or some shit? Like, sure. who, what the fuck is, is happening here? Because yeah. he's starting to have a little bit of sympathy for Colonel Kurtz. They continue to head downriver. And he's read enough about him that he's at least admiring. Right. He's he, well, I don't know if he's admiring as much as he's just, like, kind of confused by the situation. And kind of like... No, but he's got some admiration of course. for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it's, he's he, wondering, like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do when I get to him. Yeah, I think know? he like, brings that up even later yeah, on down, yeah. down the movie. They're really bored at this point. Lance fucks around and finds out because he's shooting off fucking, uh, like, smoke, yeah. you know, shots or whatever. And... Uh, lighting up flares, and then they start getting shot at from yeah. the uh, the Viet Cong that are sitting on the uh, in yeah. the woods right there. At this point, Larry is shot right in the fucking chest, yeah. and he is down. They get past that part, and there's a lot of slow, deliberate fog scenes in this. Mm-hmm. And this is like a scene to me that's like kind of cutting from one part of the film to like the the fight like the next act of the film. It's it's sure. going into the next thing. They come across at this scene. They come across a burning house, and they they get off to check out what's going on. And like the smoke kind of reveals, and there's a bunch of like Cambodian and French soldiers actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk to them about you know their fallen comrade or whatnot. And they have a little funeral for uh, Larry because yeah, uh, the French oh, guys so. just like we honor the dead of our allies. Yeah, and, and you know, like we'll we'll do a funeral for you guys, right? And then they they basically take that those dudes to the dude who kind of owns this plantation. Yeah. Okay, because it turns out this is not a military installation. This no. is a plantation. It's owned a plantation. By some French. Yep. Yeah. Imperial French when yeah. they were basically imperializing Indochina yeah. areas and whatnot and taking over these. It's like and, this, this plantation has been in my family for generations. Right. And then they get into like it, like just basically an R and R scene, mm-hmm. and there's um have a little dinner. Right, they they basically have a dinner and they have arguments over the place and whatnot. Yeah. And there's the, a lot of arguments. The two dudes start talking about uh, the difference between socialism and communism. Right. Yeah, and talking a lot about communism and like why the Americans waited to get involved in World War II because they knew exactly what was going on in Nazi Germany, but they didn't want to do anything about it because the Nazis were fighting communists and they were enemies of the communists and whatnot. And he really starts to like delve into America's self-righteousness is kind of what this whole scene is and like how they basically will just you know like kill people and and, and basically say it's for your freedom you know we're doing this for the right reasons or whatnot and and we're giving you your freedom whether you fucking want it or not like you're gonna get it and and it's led to different wars the war in Korea the war in Vietnam now like they could easily just leave Vietnam and leave Vietnam to be a communist nation and whatnot but they just can't do it because that's America how America is and whatnot 
he brings up the French guy who owns the plantation, brings up, like, this is the difference between the French and the Americans, because the, the, the French are, are going to only fight for their land. Like, this is my land, and I'm going to fight for this land. I'm not going to go fight for that land over there. I'm going to fight for the land that's mine. Whereas America, we're going to fight for that land over there, too, because by extension, it becomes ours and, yeah. you know, and whatnot. And there's a, there's a funny... Uh, analogy with an egg in the scene that i was like this must be the stupidest fucking analogy i've ever seen in my life here here's an egg break the egg you see the white leaf only the yellow is left <laughs> like yeah that's some fucking racist ass shit but um they get back on the river at this point and they start getting pelted with arrows they don't get back on the river what then he smokes some opium yeah 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 and we and we have that the the most romantic scene in all yeah. of uh Hollywood this is history. our uh valentine's day Dedication. Yeah. We, we picked this movie for Valentine's Day because of this scene. Right. This this love scene yeah. is is it's a beautiful. They scene. had something there. Yeah, yeah. There was something really special. You're right. And then they get back on the river. Uh, they start getting pelted by arrows. And I like she's like, "Do you want to drink some cognac?" And he's just like, "No, I don't want to do that." And he's like, well, "The war's still going to be going on tomorrow." And he's just like, "Yeah, okay, we can go fuck." That's that's right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like. Your mission's going to be your mission tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know. I just it. like how he's just like, he he concedes to fucking. Like, yeah. he's just like, okay, we can go fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So, uh, they start, uh, on the boat, they start getting pelted by arrows. And they start to get, like, defensive and shooting and stuff like that. But then they figure out it's only a toy arrow. And um, they're just basically <laughs> being pelted by toy arrows. And uh, Lance kind of puts two in his head or whatnot, you know. And yeah. everything's kind of going well. Um and they kind of calm down. They stop shooting and whatnot. And the captain is like, but the but the captain wants to fire on these people because he he uh, not the captain. I'm sorry, the, the, the boat, boat commander yeah. wants to fire on these people. And he pulls out his M16 when everybody else starts stops, and he's like still firing at people. And Martin Sheen just takes control of the boat and starts driving the boat and whatnot. And the boat commander turns around to like kind of get pissed with him, and boom, he gets hit right in the fucking chest with a spear. And he. he his his reaction is almost like the indignity of like getting killed by a fucking spear. Yeah, like he's this just is like a spear, a spear, yeah. right? Like what the fuck? I got killed by a spear, and like there's this this nice scene of him like you know Martin Sheen kind of like laying him down to like you know like care for him as he's dead, and the guy tries to kill Martin Sheen on the spear that he's, and so he, Martin Sheen has to like kind of finish him off so he doesn't get fucking impaled on the same spear that yeah. he's on. Like what a fucking what a yeah. what a scene, right, yeah. man? That was kind of fucked up. But at this point, Martin Sheen's like, "All right, we are in fuck city, so I'm just going to reveal the rest of this this mission to you guys because yeah. I don't give a fuck at this point." Um, and this is like where, like, I think you're supposed to like start to question how he feels about this whole thing because if he was like a true That's soldier, the implication, yeah, yeah, if he's a true soldier, he wouldn't reveal this because this is still a top secret mission. But at this point, he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm yeah. good." We start to flirt with him, possibly. Yeah, because he straight up tells the uh, chef and the other guy who's clearly lost it, Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm here to kill a, a soldier who went, like, rogue. Yeah, and, like, the cook, the only one who's, like, completely still with it is, like, we're on this mission to kill a fucking American? Like, yeah. that's the, like, and he gets really kind of pissed yeah. off about this. Like, I thought like, we were going to blow up a bridge. Right, yeah. exactly. Or blow up a bridge or some shit, and, yeah, it's... I like how by this point Lawrence has lost his. Yeah, he mind. is fucking gone at yeah, this point. Yeah. He starts to get gone at the playmate scene where he's like fucking with the one playmate chick, and oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like discovering well, then he his takes tits, acid like, too. Yeah, he yeah. he drops a bunch of acid, so he's goner than gone at this point. So they finally arrive at Colonel Kurtz's camp, and Dennis Hopper is there. I'm sure you don't know who this guy. I is. I know who Dennis Hopper. Oh, you do. Yeah, I know. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Okay, and he's a photojournalist there. 
and he starts explaining what's going on at this camp and whatnot yeah. and how Kurtz is. And he, he's so profound, man. Like sometimes he won't yeah. even say hello to you. Yeah. Other times he'll walk up to you, look you right in the eye and says, do you know that if is the middle word in life? Yeah. And if you put if together with, and it, it, yeah. he's just going. He's to, like, he's like, like, uh, he seems like he's on acid. Yeah, very and, much and so. And he's like but, referring to, referring to a, a larger than human character. Like right. he's like talking about this dude. Like he's literally like uh, like an avatar, some kind yeah. of like greater man. Right, you know? right. And he gets into like he basically just yeah, like you point out, he gets into like all the talking he's done yeah. and how he's enlightened everybody. And you how notice, insightful he is, right, like exactly. otherworldly insightful. And yeah. you notice that you look around and like. Everybody in this camp is like a zombie. Basically, yeah. they're all high as fuck yeah. for the you know whatever they're doing. They're doing a lot of it because yeah. all the v, all the Cambodians there and yeah. and and everybody else is just kind of gone. And he brings them in off the boat and he talks to him and whatnot. And he's like, "Oh, don't worry about you know these uh, dead people. Whatever it is, what it yeah. is, you know these people went, went away from the message and blah blah blah." Yeah. And he he gets off the boat. And he kind of walks out and he meets the um, the guy who was sent before him. Uh, the dude who was sent before him and the other soldiers Colonel Kurtz had with him before he sure. went rogue and whatnot. Yeah. And all those guys are there. And he looks at him, and then he looks over, and there's all these heads and whatnot. Oh, man, don't worry about the heads. I know it's a little crazy. He even admits sometimes he gets a little wild with it. Yeah, yeah. He'll be the first to admit. He'll be the first to admit it or whatever, right? Like, trying to, like, just justify Justify this crazy shit. And I want to point out on the in the background, we see, like, a wall, a very, you know, Cambodian Aztecian wall or whatever, and written on the wall. I like is, how you just said Cambodian Aztecian. Yeah, it's all the same. That's um, uh, that was one of the r- roughest sentences I think you've ever said to me. Well, I've said some sentences. <laughs> so, um, and on the wall is scrolled Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Bing two points for using the. You know, I'm always gonna fucking give credit. <laughs> Pointed those out. Yeah, and so they find out that Kurtz isn't in the area that he's gone away, and he'll come back, and so they. They just basically have to wait for him, and he goes back to the boat and he kind of talks to the cook about it. And the cook is like, "Dude, you want to kill this fucking guy? I'm down to kill this fucking guy. I just don't give a fuck anymore." He says something about how he used to think that like if he did something bad, he'd end up in hell. But he's like, at this point, I don't give a fuck as long as it's not here. And he basically kind of reveals a plan to them to the cook. He's like, "All right, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go on 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 land and try to." Decipher what's going on with him and get a meeting with him. Uh, I want you to stay by the radio. If I'm not back in a certain number of time, I want you to call in. Here's the coordinates. Here's the um, code word you have to give him. Call in the airstrike, and we'll you know take this whole area out and whatnot. So, uh, so they have a plan at this point, and he gets back on the land. And he starts to try to go up to the temple where the Aztecian uh, Cambodian temple. <laughs> I'm just fucking around now at this point. Uh, he's he's starting to go. I'm to kidding. The, not Aztec Maya. Yes, the Mayan temple that's in the area. Uh, no, not Mayan. Japanese temple. So he goes starts going <laughs> to the Japanese temple where Colonel Kurtz is at, and he kind of gets ambushed by people, and they like take his weapon from him, and they kind of drag him through the mud and whatnot, and they tie him up and they bring him to Colonel Kurtz, and he has his first conversation with Kurtz at this point, and. This is when Kurtz like kind of starts to drop his first knowledge on him, and he's like, you know, uh, hey, are you here for this or whatnot? And he's yeah. like, are you? He's you know? well. First, he asks him where he's from. Yeah, he starts yeah. talking about, uh, to yeah, he, and, he, and he talks about uh, Ohio, a, a river that he goes down that he went down in Ohio, where he came upon what he thinks was a uh, like a farm of uh, gardenias, which yeah. are a very pretty flower. 
Uh, and he talks about how, like, that's, like, heaven and things like that. Like, he starts to get really poetic about, right. like, uh, his experiences in the United States. Yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, he basically asks him straight up. He's like, why are you, you know, why am I supposed to be killed? Yeah. And the captain says that he's gone insane and that his methods were too far, according to them. And, and he even said, he said, uh, you know, like, uh, do you think that you are are, are going to do what you were sent to do. Yeah. And he's just like, well, my mission was classified. Yeah. And he's just like, well, it's not that classified anymore. Right, you right. Know? Like, yeah. It's a little in the open now. We, we kind of know now. Yeah. And yeah. I, a, a scene that was important earlier that now plays into this part is earlier after he meets Kilgore and the whole scene with him and the surfing and killing people just so they could basically surf and whatnot, he, he thinks to himself... What the fuck method could Kurtz have done that yeah. was so bad yeah. that after seeing what Kilgore's out here doing, Kilgore's willing to blow up a fucking town just so he can use a surf yeah. area. Yeah. And they don't want Kilgore dead. Like, what could he have possibly done yeah. Yeah. in the field that would have led to him to the army wanting to, you know, sure. take him in and kill him for, yeah. the, for, for what he did? He asks him if he's an assassin and... Sheen responds, I'm a soldier. And he responds, you're neither. You're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill. Very godfather Ian. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. Very, very above the situation. Yeah, right? of course. I know. It was yeah. like, well, let me let me give you a little bit of context. I was just using context. lately with, uh, you know, the uh, Aztec Ian and all that yeah, stuff. So I had sure. to. Had a... No, but it was just <laughs> funny how, like, like, his character is this, like, uh, I see through your bullshit, man. right? And you know, like that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of I think this avatar scene, that he is. I think this scene is starting to develop. Earlier, we hear about how this character is like larger than life. Mm-hmm. He's he's this god like character, prophet like character, dropping knowledge. And when you hear the first radio broadcast that they hear, it's like this guy's full of fucking shit, right? Yeah, like the snail on a razor. Yeah, like shut sure. the fuck up, right? Yeah. And then you hear more about it, and then you 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 see the information about. It. And I think this is supposed to start to be like when you're in the presence of the man, it's a lot different than when you just hear about him or you just hear his words. And they, and they talked a little bit about that when he was with Kilgore. Right. Who uh, was just like, you know, it was like a light to him. You know, yeah. like he like shone bright, you know, when he was in in the room, you know, like you could tell that this guy wasn't going to be hurt. You know, right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. He, he brings up that like he would go through anything and, and, yeah. and that guy is not going to be the one that's getting hit or whatever. Yeah. Like he's just he, there's something about him that's just above and beyond. And that's what this guy was. It's not that he was particularly insightful. It's that he had a very charismatic like attitude to it. Right. And they also brought up an allusion to or a reference to Charles Manson earlier in the movie. Yeah. yeah. About how like it was very similar, like the kind of yeah. the kind of human being that he was where it's just not. Not that there's anything particularly insightful about them. They're just very charismatic like, right. cult leaders, essentially. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that before. With char- Charisma gets you a lot in Char- life yeah, and whatnot. And, and I think that's part of the point of Kilgore as opposed to Kurtz. Like, these are almost the same kind of dude, basically. You know, like like you point out, very charismatic guy. Leader, these leaders of men that, that people are following. And I think they're, they're displaying that to show the juxtaposition of, like, of Kurtz and where he's at and how the army feels about him as opposed to, you know, Kilgore. Kilgore. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So at the end of this conversation, the next scene we see is he's locked up in a bamboo prison um, and Hopper comes over and starts to chat with him. Kind of kind of brings up some things like, hey, man, you know, um, he doesn't want you dead. Clearly, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's he got something more planned for you. You're you're part of this because I think 
and he lays it out there. He's like, I think he, the guy's dying. I think he's he's at, at the end, and he wants somebody kind of to take his position. And that's what he kind of thinks Martin Sheen is, you know, because the uh, no one else here can do it. Like, everybody else is just a follower, you know, mm-hmm. of his or whatnot. And Martin Sheen can be more. He can be molded into the next leader of this 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 apocalyptic cult for the most part. Um we flash over to Cookie. He starts to get a lot of really nervous. He starts double checking the radio, uh, making sure that somebody's there so he can call in the airstrike because it's getting close to the time. Um, the next scene we see cuts over to uh, Martin Sheen. Now he's locked up outside. It's raining and he's kind of tied to this bamboo. Um, he's tied to the bamboo prison rather than in the bamboo prison. Brando shows up. He's got face paint on and everything else, and he kind of just looks at him and just stares at him for a while, steps up, and then he throws cook, the cook's head into his lap. And yeah. this is when he kind of knows he's in a fucked position at this point because the cook's dead, and like you point out, Lawrence is basically part of the cult yeah, now. Yeah, he's he's yeah. completely joined into this. Uh, we transfer from there into him being in a hot box. Uh, Kurtz shows up. He reads Time Magazine to him, and he starts reading about... Things about the war that people are reading at home and how he feels about it. Do you do you agree with this or whatnot? And he asks him a bunch of questions about that. And then he's informed that he'd be free. He's going to be freed, but don't try to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'll be shot if you try to run. You're but you're free to go about the camp as you'd like. Now we're going to get you back out of here. Uh, and they bring him out, and he starts getting nursed back to health. And they start feeding him and everything else. And while um, this is while Kurtz continues to indoctrinate him and basically keeps talking to him, and he starts talking to him and talking to him and talking to about him. all the yeah, different things, sure. reading to him, reading right. poetry to him, all sorts right. of shit. Captain Willard, at this point, he starts to question his mission in his own head. He, Do I really even want to kill this guy? We get into a wild party night at this point. This is things are all getting crazy, and. He's on the boat and he decides, all right, I'm going to go f- forward with this mission. I got to do this mission. And he, but his mentality was like, I think he wants me to kill him. Yes, I think that's exactly what he, the point is because his, he only takes. His, he even mentions that he only takes his orders from the jungle at this point, and the jungle is is what's coming to claim him for the you know. And I think you nailed it. He's he's ready to die at the, yeah. at, at this end. Um, and he almost seems like it, well, the vibe he's picking up from everybody else is that they want him to die too. Well, we know that because of what happens after. Sure. You know, yeah. he um, and Colonel Kurtz brings up that um, one of the things he regrets kind of is that his kids will never know, you know, why he did what he did or or, or what's going on here. Um, why he's in this position because even the even the captain that was sent before said we know that um that guy kind of abandoned his mission and he's like fuck i'm done with this and he sends letters home to his family that say that yeah and but they were intercepted and that's and we saw willard kind of read those notes and he's concerned that colonel kurtz is concerned that his family will not know the justification of why he chose the steps that he did Willard goes on his mission, does the whole makeup thing, comes out of the water, like the most famous scene that, you know, everywhere in that scene. And he creeps into the um, temple and Colonel Kurtz is uh, recording another message, another one of these messages. And while the party's going on out there, they are slaughtering a bull. And at the same time, uh, Willard kills uh, Colonel Kurtz in a very similar fashion to how the bull is getting chopped down. Um, We... Exit that scene into um, Willard stepping out from the temple. He's still got his blade, and he's got all the information that Kurtz left 
for him, including the letters. We're supposed to insinuate the letters to his family and whatnot. And everyone starts bowing down. Yeah, everybody in the village starts bowing down to him and you know praising the guy or whatnot. Yeah, he uh, gets onto his boat. And he starts to leave on his boat, and we kind of transition to a statue, and then it fades to black. And that is the end of the film. Yeah. No beginning credits, no end credits in that film. And that's it, man. That is Apocalypse Now. Uh, A couple of behind-the-scenes things before we get into our opinions. They originally wanted to film this movie. Mm -hmm. This is an insane fact. They wanted to film this movie starting in 1971 in the Vietnam War. They wanted to go to Vietnam and film so because they the wanted actual, the, the actual things like soldiers and fighting and things like that. Yeah. And basically they were like uh some other folks around the presentation were like, Yeah, we're not fucking doing that. Yeah. We're not going to the actual war. We will work it out and figure out how we're gonna do this. Sure. The original person that was going to direct this film for Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas. Oh really? He turned it down to do Star Wars. Mm. Both are, you know, both are both are fine. So they're both similar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most of this movie was filmed in the Philippines because uh, it was just cheaper, and they could use soldiers from there and whatnot, and look oh, similar. Sure. Yeah. And there was a lot of American equipment that was left in the Philippines, okay. and so they were had access to that for very cheap price. Originally, uh, Willard was going to be Steve McQueen. Okay. You, from your sure, I know that guy. Okay. Is, yeah. He couldn't do it um, because. Uh, there was a couple things with him where one he his price was really high. Yeah, wouldn't have Steve McQueen been a lot older too? No, not at this time. No, I no. thought Steve he was McQueen... like in Bullet and stuff like that in the seventies. Yeah, okay, all right. I thought that he was more of like a fifties guy than a seventies uh, guy. I don't think so, man. And then uh, the next person that was uh, approached, obviously Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Pacino turned it down because he, I guess, when he filmed Godfather Two. He got really sick during that filming when he was uh, abroad, and he didn't want to risk that again. And a lot of people just didn't want it. And then it came out that Clint Eastwood was also offered this role, and another guy who just didn't want to go abroad. They didn't want to do the filming abroad. And um, a lot of guys wanted to be... It seemed like they were in the shit for a while. They were. Man. They like, were. And the fucking jungle. The like. only person who wasn't there for a long time was Marlon Brando. And a lot of guys wanted that role. Yeah. Because they were like, you only had to film for like two weeks, basically, in the jungle. But like, they pretty much wanted Marlon Brando for that role. That was kind of like what they wanted. Even though. Was this Brando's last big movie? uh, I don't remember. I know he was, he had a a bit part in Superman, but. Yeah. Yeah. He was the. um, His dad. Isn't he? Yeah. His dad and Jor-El. And um, another thing, uh, Dennis Hopper, most of. At least half of his dialogue and stuff completely ad libbed, huh. and uh, I guess like Francis uh, or when they were doing this, like they were just impressed by how he could talk and just yeah. like go into these like fucking rants and stuff like that. Yeah. That's pretty much how he got that part. Like they sure. were just like, yeah, this is this is exactly what we want. Yeah. Space case sort of like photographer sure, or not. Yeah. Um, super hippie photographer, right? Guy. Exactly. Yeah, sure. The last thing was they actually got in a bunch of trouble because for the scenes in Brent in the. Um, uh, where they're in Brando's camp, they have you know obviously you saw like all the dead bodies and stuff like that in yeah. there, and they hired somebody to bring them um, you know uh, set corpses to do. That. Well, the guy turned out to be a, a real grave digger who digged up graves and gave them real corpses to Get use. Get the for fuck that. out! No <laughs> yeah. way! Oh, yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's an interesting one, right? Jesus, yeah. So yeah, so that's pretty much the, all the behind the scenes that I have that are of import 
in this. A lot of this, like I point out, came from Heart of Darkness, and there was a kind of a dare to like nobody's been like there's been attempts to create a film for from Heart of Darkness before, but nothing was really well done. So they wanted to do a film. Now they, again, like you point out, this isn't like shot for shot Heart of Darkness in any way, sense or form. Um, it's in, it's inspired by. It. You can see the the boat going up the river and whatnot. That's kind of the the same kind of thing. These native people that are there, um, and then people dying off one by one, and then same thing main character killing Kurtz and whatnot. So that's very much in line. Or I don't know, Kurtz definitely dies. I, I can't remember exactly how that goes, but. It was just inspired by it, okay? Mm-hmm. And at the time, Coppola wanted to do a movie, and he was kind of in between of what he wanted to do. And actually, Spielberg and George Lucas, who he was friends with, were the ones who kind of talked him into doing a Vietnam War movie. And so that's where this came from. It's weird that this movie was like started to be created during the actual Vietnam War. You know, yeah. it's almost like you pointed out, like kind of romanticized. Like, yeah. like it feels very weird that you would want to do that while the war was going on yeah. and whatnot. But, like, it makes much more sense that Full Metal Jacket, which came out in the 80s, sure. you know, years after the now war. Now that's a stark look at what had happened. Right, exactly. Whereas this is just like, it almost seems like a propaganda piece. And maybe that's why this does come off a little bit softer than the other film, because... It was at a time where the war wasn't hated as much. You know, it wasn't in the late 70s when this was written. Where I mean, it was hated by some. Of course. Every war is always hated by some. I mean, yeah, because watched- that, that was one of the more, uh, like... There um, are people who didn't want to be involved in World War II. So yeah, I mean, no, like, I know, you know, but that was very... It was a very publicized uh, disagreement with that war. Sure, You know, like, sure. there was a lot of uh, protests against that yeah. war. That's In fact, when you think anti-war protests, you think the Vietnam War. Yeah, of course. That's when they were, like, burning their draft cards yeah. and, like, picketing outside of Congress. And shit. Right, like that was, right. Yeah, no, that's you're the right. big anti anti war one. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. So, um, yeah. So, in, in the end, what do you think? Apocalypse Now, nineteen seventy nine. Give me your recommendation. I uh, I think this was an awesome. I think this was a great concept for a movie. I think this movie would have been perfect if it would have been re- released this year. I think that the biggest problem with this movie was that it had atrocious pacing this was a three hour long movie that could have been an hour and a half long i think that if they ever remake this movie and they take out an hour and a half of nothing happening then this movie would be great and and replace marlon brando's uh character with somebody more compelling i think that if you replace marlon brando's character with a better version of that same character like a more charismatic like a like a matthew mcconaughey or something like not, that no matthew mcconaughey is, is charismatic but he's not like cult leader who, who like give me an actor that you would jared leto it's not so much the actor that they should replace him with. It's the character should be written to be more convincing. Because mm. uh, Brando's character seemed... Uh, you know who would, would makes a better one? James Spader. James Spader as an actor with a better like character being written would make a more convincing this thing. Uh, because the the story, the narrative that they're playing is cool. I actually th- I dug the idea of having to like go deep into the jungle with some guy that became a cult leader because he's just like he was really smart and he got on some shit and like he just ended up being a really charismatic cult leader. Uh, but Brando let me down in the in the character. When they mm. finally got there, I was just yeah. like, this guy is just some like egghead, you know? Like he just <laughs> seemed like some fucking. Like who would have listened to this guy? You know, mm. like like um uh what's his name the the photographer guy? Yeah, um Dennis Hopper. Uh, w- Dennis Hopper 
when you see him, he plays this guy up like he's going to be like this like demigod almost. And this guy is, is uh, you know, like he's a basket case. He, there, there's nothing convincing about him. So you replace this character with a more convincing version of the same character, but more convincing. And you take the movie down from the three hours that it is to an hour and a half. So the original release of this movie was about two hours and 30 minutes. Okay, well, yeah, you shave off 30 minutes, you're already doing The whole something. French scene... Wasn't in the film. Okay. Um, the yeah. Playboy scene where they meet up with the Playmates later wasn't in the film. Okay. And that those two scenes right there is like 20 minutes sure, easy, yeah. 20 to 5 minutes. It, it, like 30 minutes would, is a start. I think you can shave off at least an hour and put it down to two hours instead of three hours. You shave off an hour and you give me the, the uh, a more convincing end character. And I'm just like, wow, what a cool movie. But because of the way that it was done, there was just so much that I was bored by. I was like... Holy shit, are they fucking taking their sweet-ass time to get there? And then when they finally get there, I was just like, this was your payoff? Fuck this movie. So, like, so I I, um, I didn't like the movie. I think the movie could be redone better. I think that there's, a, a, there's something in this movie that would have been perfect. Great story, great narrative. But it was just poor execution. It was too long, and, and I didn't believe the, the, main, the main antagonist at the end there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, no shit on Corp- Coppola. You know, Coppola clearly is a good director. I loved The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Those are some of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I can quote those movies, you know, like that's like some, some great, great cinema. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's not like I have a problem necessarily with Coppola's sure, pacing. Sure. I just think that he, he missed the mark here. He, he did. Maybe he was just like, like, dude, we're in the fucking jungle. I'm going to fucking film. And, you know, like, and he just wanted to make the most of the time that he was there. But it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a concise movie. It mm. was, it was too meandering. It was super meandering. That's, that's a better word for it. It, it, it took its sweet time to get to nothing. And I was like, okay. It had me hooked, right? I, would, I wanted to see the end. Yeah. I was so intrigued by, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what Man, uh, uh, Marlon Brando's character was going to be mm-hmm. like. I was like, dude, like, he's going to be some, like, wild shit. And then they get to him, and he was nothing. He was a nothing character. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, this is, this is dumb. All right. So, obviously, I don't agree. Okay. Um, I think Marlon Brando's character hammers it home even more, realistically. I get what you're saying. Like, I want a more charismatic person. Because that's what you want from a cult leader. Because that's what would attract you to a cult. No, but no. see, here's the thing. No, no, no. Right? No, wait, wait. I want to. No, hold on. I disagree. Okay, I don't think cult leaders in reality are that charismatic person. That's that person that's able to wow a crowd. I personally feel because I like I've watched specials about Jim Jones. I've watched special about David Koresh, and I've watched specials about. Uh, Charlie Manson, a few others, odds and ends and whatnot. And I don't think that way much at all. I think that they are charismatic to certain individual who is able to yes, bring that in. But and- in all the things that you've seen about them, you've seen them be that person. To- Regardless of which way they're being that person, yeah. they're still like looking at people and telling them shit and and getting them hyped and everyone's just like buying into it. And that's not what this character. I did. Do, I just. I mean, there's a quote in him in this film that he drops where he says, "We train young men to drop fire on people, but their commanders won't let them write fuck on their airplanes because yeah. it's obscene." Yeah. Like there are a lot of things like that that are just. I think I personally think too. People in war or like a person who's like questioning, what the fuck am I doing here? Why the fuck am I here? This guy would be a person who you would follow like, 
yeah, this guy's got it. Like, this guy is even better than I am, and he's questioning it and whatnot. So I, I definitely feel as though Marlon Brando was fine. This movie, to me, is uh, 10 out of 10, man. I love this wow. fucking movie. Wow. Uh, 10 me, out of 10. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ. Let me, hey, I hope everybody who listens to this also listens to our Marvel podcast. I agree. Shit's and I'm a, a lot on Marvel. Because I'm about to go this there. this is a 10 out of 10. Okay. I'm about to go, right. And I'm about to breach the Marvel thing. Every time we talk about a Marvel movie, uh-huh. you're like... You're like but you're talking about like pace and like your checkboxes are pacing and tone and cinematography and this movie like the pacing was atrocious and the writing was bad. The pace, whoa! First of all, for I'm going to disagree for the last character. For the first, everything everything me, up to there was fine. That last character, the writing. was I bad. was shocked. How, a how great! How great the acting was in this film. Yeah, the I was like, was good. the acting was unbelievable. The story was was amazing good. to yeah. me. Everything about this well, to me. Good. Was just great. I thought, like, unbelievable. The, the difference Christ between pacing. you and your pacing problems and me, the pacing isn't slow to me. The pacing is methodical. Every single part is bringing you to a certain feeling that you're supposed to have about the yeah, scene. It that brought you're me at. to a very it, specific it was very feeling. Much, it was boredom. Um, very much attrition of the war and 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 dealing with the situation that you're in i felt like i find it so hilarious that you'll watch a three-hour marvel movie and be swept away because it's kiddish because action happens all the time yes and see that's the thing it's so hilarious to me and i'm not i'm not saying that this is like um i can't wait till we get the people commenting in the comments about how he didn't like this movie because it was paced like shit but he liked Avengers Endgame? Sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of clowns in the comments saying that I'm like some kind of child for liking movie. Marvel movies over this movie. But listen to me. It's not like I judge this movie on the same fucking... Like, like I, I get when a movie's trying to be serious, right? There are serious movies that I'd like. There are serious movies that I enjoy. Like, for instance, Saving Private Ryan, right? It's a very similar kind of movie. You're going into the shit, you know. Similar like, in some ways. Okay, similar in some ways. It's also an action movie. It's, I mean, an, an army movie. It's a, it's a movie. Definitely doesn't have the same messages as this movie. No, no, no. But it's another long, three-hour long fucking epic. And I love that movie. Like, that movie is really well done. It's not like I... And, and I wouldn't say that either of these two movies are trying to be serious in a way that a popcorn flick is trying to be serious. Clearly, the other movies I like because they're a fun time. They're escapism. This isn't supposed to be escapism. This is supposed no. to be... A comment. This uh, is supposed commentary. to be artwork. Yes, and it's, this is it's supposed to be commentary. This and and I disagreed with its application and expression of that commentary. It's I wasn't convinced okay. by the movie for and and okay, right? We have a differing opinion. That's fine, everybody. But for you to say this movie was ten out of ten, I is wanna, fucking I bonkers. I'm not to even. Me. Gonna, I'm not even going to stop there. This is like <laughs> I'm not even gonna stop there. I, You're gonna double down here. I went. Uh, I went through our catalog of films. <laughs> uh, this is by far the best film we've we've reviewed. Dude, not like Full a, Metal Jacket was a better movie than this. Not like from uh, maybe an enjoyment of like oh I'm having a good time sort yeah, of thing, yeah. but like from a filmmaking standpoint, this was so good. The the. The cinematography was just fucking phenomenal. The going in and out of smoke to do the the, the fades, everything the about was that was so good in the development. I I I, I was on this journey with uh, Martin Sheen, uh, Colonel Willard, and I thought to myself, now I understand why he enjoys these childish Marvel movies so much because he. 
allows himself to fall into them and become part of the film. And that's what this film does for me because it's so well done. I think I could have you, forgiven. You, Go ahead. That you fall into this film and you are swept into it. And when I sat down and I looked and, I, and now I watched this on my PC. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking to myself as we broached this film and brought up this film. At first I asked you, hey, do you want to do Platoon instead? Yeah. Because Platoon is shorter. It's more action packed. Yeah. And I thought you might like that movie a little bit sure. better. But you were like, no, I want to do this movie. And this movie won film of the year. And it is no question to see why. it did. Now, the only thing you could complain about, and, and, and I'd, I'd hear that complaint, is that the pacing is very 1970s. Yeah. And that's fine because it was made in the 1970s. Sure. Yeah. So I totally get that Listen, complaint. And, and I was very similar say, to like Alien. Alien had some few sh- pacing sure, issues yeah. and that was also made in the 1970s so i get that Alien, but see jason again i'm not saying that this movie was shit no i didn't, I didn't say i'm you saying did. that this movie uh didn't stick the landing mm. and that and and i'll totally concede to you right now that if the ending had been more compelling mm-hmm. i would have been more okay with the journey getting there oh man i thought the, the ending... journey getting there was a little long but i would have forgiven it if they could have given me a compelling third act but the I, third act was such a letdown. Marlon Brando's character was so fucking flat and uninteresting and non-compelling that I'm like, okay, well, that was see, a little I bit of a waste the, of time. I feel the exact opposite. I thought Marlon Brando's character was like this awesome oh, space case Jesus sort Christ. of like... Um, he wasn't saying anything interesting. Oh, listen, I disagree, no, man. Listen, you, you I shave off an on, hour of this movie and give me a better Marlon Brando character, and I'm happy with it. I hung on every word Marlon Brando <laughs> said. What? I was... Wow. I was wow. honestly... So when I sat down to watch this movie, uh-huh. I sat down on my PC to watch it. And like I brought up about Platoon earlier, yeah. I got into this and I go, oh, fuck. This movie, I haven't seen this in a long time. And then I saw three hours, and I'm like... Fuck, this movie is going to be a dragging movie. Yeah. And by halfway through, I was like, uh, how long has this been? <laughs> Hour and a half. I thought this is, you know, I, I was like shocked how well. The first hour and a half. I'm not going to lie. The first hour and a half flew. Like, and I, how I was, I was really swept up. I, I, I just. You know, the first hour and a half. Obviously, I, was really I said it. ten out of ten to, to yeah. mock the shit out of how you always respond you know to every Marvel Good. film. I'm so glad that you're this you movie me. is like I said for sure. In my opinion, the best film we've reviewed. Wow. And this is this is this movie is regularly on top ten, top fifty films of all time lists. Mm-hmm. And I can easily see why it is. Because from a film art standpoint, this movie is amazing. I get how like you could be on the whole I like Marvel movies because I enjoy them and they're fun to me and uh-huh. this and that. Blah, blah, blah. Totally understand that. And, and I, want, I have I want nothing everybody, wrong with because of all the conversations that we've had, yeah. right? People literally since we've started this podcast have heard two things. Yeah, I don't. I haven't watched old movies. Yes, and I love Marvel movies. Yes, right? that's all that. That's the that's that the entire context. Of, that could literally yeah. be our podcast name. Yeah. The problem no is no old only Marvel. I love a ton of movies. We just don't talk about it because that's not the nature of the show. Right. That's not the point. And we also just, you know, we've got another podcast about Marvel movies, and we've talked a lot about Marvel because both of us like Marvel, so we talk about yeah. a lot about that. But I do love a ton of movies. Sure. I enjoy greater cinema, especially more recent greater cinema. What kind, so, of, what kind of film on, like, a top 20 style list do you watch and go, I really like that film? The Godfather. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's so crazy to me. Saving that, Private Ryan. 
Those are those are all yeah. on the top um, fucking films of all time. And so like, I, I like those movies. It's in, insane to me that The Godfather won. Yeah, you enjoy that movie. You know why? Because there was film. payoff. Because here's the thing: there was payoff. The thing about it this was is worth the when I watched this time. movie. I'm, I thought to myself. I instantly thought to myself while I was watching this movie. Yeah. I'm like, this is. The Godfather war film. Like, this is like... Uh, kind of, except for in The Godfather, all of the characters were compelling. And in this one, the one that was supposed to be the most compelling wasn't. He I don't think he's flat. supposed to be the most compelling. The most compelling character is supposed to be Willard. No, Willard, is supposed, Willard, to be, is, a, Willard is supposed to be the one-to-one, the, the audience. Willard yeah. is supposed to be... The, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. supposed to be a compelling character. I, I disagree. He's supposed to be your analog. Right. And it's like saying to, Neo is supposed to be the most compelling. He's not supposed to be the com- most who's compelling. Who's the most compelling character in... Uh, uh, that series of films in the Matrix, yeah, probably sure. Morpheus or or Smith, eh, maybe Trinity. Um, but yeah, yeah Trinity, I don't, maybe. I don't know. But man. Neo's supposed to be your analog. He's supposed to be blank slate. You yeah. put yourself in the, into that. There's nothing compelling about that. Yeah, if I you're was, supposed to, you're supposed to feel uh, con- conflicted like Willard is. You're supposed so, to go, is this guy deserving of, of being killed or not? The guy in question. Kill him. He's a weirdo. He's a fucking. He did do that. Yeah, so but you, what I'm saying is, so there was you nothing compelling the same about journey. it. You what I'm saying the same is, journey. there was nothing compelling about it. I was never conflicted. I was always because just like, you, yeah, he's he's got all these people. You know, I don't know. He's I got him hostage. I think it's a the reason I think that ending is so good too is because I feel as though you've you've heard about Colonel Kurtz, you've read about Colonel Kurtz, or he has. Through and we have through him. Sure, yeah. You've, he's talked you've, to us about it the whole time. All this he's stuff about Colonel Kurtz. This crazy godlike figure to these people mm-hmm. and then you meet him and it's like just he's just a dude yeah and and that's kind of how uh willard kind of reacts to it as well like he of course he's like entranced by him for a minute but then he's kind of like fuck this guy i don't i don't i don't get this at all and he kills him and not only does he kill him he doesn't like then join that position and like take over as a guy. He's like, no, I'm back on my mission. I'm going would, back down. What a much better so, movie that would have been. Um, it would have been so cool to so watch him the- interact with a truly compelling cult reader, leader. Decide to usurp him, yeah. Kill him and then usurp him. That would have so been that was a one wild of the alternate ending. endings. Yeah. So the alternate endings for it, one of them was that basically that he becomes one with the cult and whatnot. Yeah. The other one was, um, and then Francis Ford Coppola cut that one because. He thought it was too dark of an ending. Like he didn't. He wanted a more happy ending. And the other ending was that he was going to sacrifice himself, calling in the airstrike on the whole compound, sure, basically yeah. to to take that out. And he didn't was, like that one ending. Yeah. And he went with this one because the audience enjoyed this one the best, I guess, or sure. whatever. So I don't know, man. It, I I can't even. I don't even have to ask myself would I re- recommend this because I literally just recommended this to two people last night when we were talking. Wow. I was talking to them and I was like, "Hey, now they had seen it before, but they hadn't seen it in many years." And I was like, "You should go back and watch it. It is such a good movie." And I was so impressed with it again. So this is definitely um, one of. One, I'm not going to say this is one of my favorite movies because it's not one of my favorite movies because, like you point out, it is over three hours. So this is definitely a journey. Like I would sit down and rewatch. Um, the Shining before I rewatch this movie, or I would sit down and rewatch Terminator before I rewatch this movie because of the fun of those movies. Mm-hmm. But this is not a better film, in my opinion, than those films. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Well, that was our uh, our review. There you have it. Yeah. Jason and I yeah. disagree pretty seriously about this movie. You uh, you might be surprised to find out uh, we disagree about something. <laughs> uh, it's been a while because uh, no, I often- feel like we've always disagreed, but I feel like this is where we like have. 
really kind of hard disagree. Yeah, yeah. Right, because I think, but but I think we've done a lot of films that we both even the Shining. Feel, you loved the Shining, yeah. But I was just like, you thought Shining, it was. I thought the Shining was great. It was just too long, yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. this one, I'm just it's like, it's funny that we've flipped pacing <laughs> yeah. positions, yeah. Right, because like, like pacing seems to be a much more important thing to me. Than yeah. <laughs> now all of a sudden, you're the pacing guy, yeah. and I'm the guy. Give me more. Give me more. Yeah. Give me yeah. More. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what it's gonna be like, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, it's gonna. It's, sometimes yeah. we're gonna agree. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna think a movie's phenomenal. We're gonna we're gonna agree on a movie like Hereditary or something like that. And yeah. sometimes we're gonna have Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Or sometimes we're gonna have a Marvel movie that you fucking enjoy the shit out of. And I'm like, this is literal dog shit. I'm fucking I mean, done gonna, talking about Marvel movies. I'm gonna only talk about Marvel like during our Marvel show. Yeah. Because I I, I feel like I'm we're both responsible, yeah. right? Of for course. pushing this wrong impression. That that's all I'm doing. Yeah. I watch old movies with you, and then I go home and watch. Marvel movies. That is not all the I've case. ever known you to do was watch old movies and Marvel <laughs> movies. You haven't seen any film like yeah. uh, Goodfellas. You haven't seen, I, of course, any I'm, Tarantino film. You dude, haven't seen my favorite thing to do. All I mean, uh, obviously not during COVID, but before COVID, my favorite thing to do was to go watch a, a movie every week. You yeah. know, go to the yeah, theater yeah, and watch whatever's sure. coming we out. Do, we we would talk about. That's yeah. where this podcast came from. I know. Is us talking us about arguing films about yeah, films. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so funny because like a lot of the comments that I read are just like, oh yeah, because it's not a Marvel movie. I'm like, dude, I like more than just Marvel movies. <laughs> I know, but you know, yeah, and that's true. You do. We've talked about how uh, you know you you like Goodfellas and you like a lot of the films that are like the top that we films. like. You know? Right. Like, that's how we started talking. And about I this think shit. that this 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 podcast has has kind of developed into something more because originally the podcast was kind of like a cult film podcast. Like we were talking sure. about Alien and we we're talking about Terminator and, yeah. and and action films that were and we've kind of developed into many. We've figured out that you haven't seen a lot of these old school sure. classic yeah. top movies yeah. that I have seen and I've enjoyed throughout the years. And so we were going to d- delve into some of those as well. Yeah. And we're going to do, you know, our um, occasional season ones like we do because we, for whatever reason, we enjoy doing seasonal ones like we just did with the Valentine's Day movies. Yeah. So, I mean... Our themes are fucking bonkers, by the way, guys. Like, I, I don't want anybody <laughs> to be offended about the, the themes that we do. We just kind of pick themes. Yeah, because the first basically, thing that goes into Jason's head is what we do. Right. We pretty much do things... Off that. So, and then as you know, before you know it, here we are going to be in the month of March, and yeah. March is known for St. Patrick's Day. So, we're going to do some St. Patrick's Day themed films. <laughs> okay, so we're doing Snatch next. We're doing Snatch next. Now, you, you is laugh that St. Right Patrick's now. Day? I have no idea if that there has anything is, to do with St. Uh, Patrick's Day. Not St. Patrick's Day, technically, but there is a. Uh, uh, thread that we'll talk okay. about when we get there. Right. And our second uh, St. Patrick's Day film will be Gangs of New York, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is very much deep into the St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Not every season is going to have movies about it like Halloween does sure. or like Christmas does. So we have we to stretch. We just have to start at a very specific time in the year. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Because I think we did. We started in September. Yeah, exactly. And so like October. Before you know it, it was like, October. Right and after Halloween that, it was Thanksgiving and yeah. then Christmas. And yeah. So yeah, so we've been able to do a lot of films that were seasonally appropriate. And we're not going to, and even though it's... You know, still kind of shitty out and whatnot. We're not going to stay in yeah. winter deep films like we did for. And also, January, we're not so. always going to do themed ones, so don't expect no. that either. We're just being weird right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's very early on in this podcast. Right, right. <laughs> well, probably you'll you'll probably as we as we round about to the year anniversary, we'll definitely start getting back to the things we did before. So I'm sure on the anniversary we'll do Terminator 2, you sure, know, and yeah. then we'll do Alien and 2. And that'll be really and exciting because I can't wait. Right. I, like, Terminator 2 uh, and Aliens 
are two movies yeah. that because now I've seen the first ones, I'm like, right. oh, dope! I can't wait to. Yeah, for movies. sure, man. And and I think giving this this little bit of a break between them is right. kind of fun because it's just like how people did when they first saw, first sure. saw the movies. Yeah. You know, they yeah. saw the movie in '79 and then they didn't see the movie till the '80s or whatever. Yeah. We're only doing it a year, but it kind of gives sure. you that little bit of a buffer zone. I thought that'd be kind of yeah. kind of fun to do. So you will be able to uh, in two weeks. Uh, catch us snatching things from your pockets live on the radio. Uh, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to steal things live from your pockets. Horror has a face. You must make a friend of horror. Horror and more terror are your friends. If they are not... They're your enemies to be feared. <laughs>